Welcome to the Banyan Edge Podcast. Here's your host, Charles Sizemore. Welcome to the Banyan Edge Podcast, America's number one source for smarter, safer, more profitable investing, where we aim to bring you the very best ideas and the very best minds in the business, completely filter-free. I am your host, Charles Sizemore, and today we are talking taxes, that subject that everybody loves to hate, loves to avoid, but it matters because every dollar you pay or don't pay in taxes is a dollar that either leaves your bank account or stays in your bank account. I think I kind of blew that metaphor, but you get the idea. So to help me with that, I have a very special guest, Rachel Klinger. Rachel, you are a wealth coach. You are a registered financial consultant. You are the president of McCann Wealth Strategies. And am I forgetting any titles or does that sum it up? That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, we may, may bestow titles of uh, nobility or royalty in there too, if we feel like it, but uh, you are uh, you are definitely well-versed in all matters of tax. And I would say, you know, as we get started here, what's, what's our objective? Our objective is to give our, our viewers here some ideas of things they can look into. Um, when we talk about taxes, everyone's a little bit different. Everyone's situation's a little bit different, but these are some good ideas. These are seeds we're planting here that uh, could grow into some real tax savings in the right situation. So let's start with uh, tax year 2022. Now, if you still haven't filed your tax return, there's not just a ton of stuff you can do at, at this stage of the game, but there are, there are some things. And Rachel, something you and I had, had discussed was just kind of the, the plain Jane basics, um, IRAs, for example. What, uh, what, what, what can somebody do who's looking to save some money on their taxes here? Well, they can continue to do tax um, deductible contributions, either to the 401k, 403b, 457 plan, basically defined contribution plans. The basic limit is 61000 for 2022. So they can still do that until they file the deadline for um, traditional IRAs, SEP IRAs, and Roth IRAs. Those, um, those limits are a little bit different. Roth and traditional IRAs were $6,000. If you were over 50, you could do the additional $1,000 catch up. So that's always a nice little bonus. If you're over 50, get that extra $1,000 in there. And there are contribution limits. So if you make a lot of money, adjusted gross income, modified adjusted gross income, and you're looking, okay, well, um, we still need retirement savings. There is a good tool funding a non-deductible traditional IRA and immediately converting that to a Roth, which I know we'll get to, but um, it is still a way to do retirement savings that and think about the future infamous plans. backdoor Roth IRA. That's that's that that's sneaky. It's like if you're if you don't qualify for a Roth, you can still sneak into one. You just got to be a bit more creative about it. That's exactly right. But that's what you want to think about. You got to look under yeah. rocks to find those hidden tax nuggets. Exactly. Now, another thing, so we can go into a bit more detail on that, but you know, $61,000 to put in a SEP IRA, that, that's going to move the needle. That's not like you're looking for change in your couch cushions. If you are a, a high income earner and, and you have mostly self-employed income, doing something like a SEP where you can dump that much money into it, that, that is, and you can do that right up until the tax filing deadline. So that's one of those last minute things you can do. That is one that will really move the needle. Now, another one, um, these days, I have a high deductible health plan. I think pretty much everybody does. I kind of instinctively hate anybody that doesn't have a high deductible plan because I'm jealous, and that's just the jealousy talking. But if you have a high deductible health plan, 
and again, most people do these days, you can generally pair that with a health savings account. Now, you have some experience with those as well. Well, what, what can you tell us about health savings account and how those can also chip a little bit off your tax? Yeah. So health savings accounts, like you said, anybody that is eligible should be funding. Um, even if you have, you have to have a high deductible plan in order to fund those type of accounts. But I highly encourage you because there's really triple tax savings. You're getting the tax deduction when you're putting the money in, the um, accumulation, you can invest that money when it meets certain guidelines and that grows tax-free. And then on qualified medical expenses, you can use those premiums to pay tax-free for um, doctor's visits, dental visits, any kind of qualified medical expense. One caution I will throw out there that I see, I have seen is a lot of people when they turn 65, they still might have a high deductible plan, but they go on, so they go on Medicare part A because they're like, well, it's free. I was told to sign up when I turned 65. When you turn 65 and go on Medicare Part A, that actually disqualifies you from a high uh, from a health savings account. So I throw that caution out there and talk to your tax preparer, talk to your employer to make sure that you are eligible if you did go on Medicare Part A. But if you're not funding these, you absolutely should be just for the tax advantage savings. And you get to keep them even if you're in them and you build them, you get to keep them even when you're after 65. Even if you're on part A and B, you can still use those tax efficient dollars. You know, I, this you bring up a good point. Now, the HSA, I have heard people say like, yeah, but I don't really have that many health expenses or whatever. I, I don't really feel like I need to stockpile all this money for health expenses. But the truth is, let's say you don't have health expenses. Let's say you're healthy as a horse or whatnot. The money that goes into an HSA that's, I have, I made up a word. This is, this is a Charles Sizemore original. This is not going to be found in any financial textbook. It, it, this is not a legal term. Nobody sue me, but it's, uh, I call it a spillover IRA. It, it's like, if you've already maxed out all of your IRAs, all of your, your, your retirement savings vehicles, you can use the HSA as a spillover for any additional dollars. You just want to stuff away tax-free. You can invest it, buy mutual funds or whatever. And when you turn, it's a little bit different because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but with uh, the the age at which you can take money out penalty-free is a little bit higher on an HSA if you're not doing it for medical reasons. I believe it's it's 65, right? That sound right? <laughs> That so. sounds right. But the yeah. bottom line is you can still, it, it, you're exactly right. Don't think of it for just health. I mean, obviously you might be healthy at 65, even younger, but once you get older, those aches and pains, uh, reality starts setting in high blood pressure, diabetes. Those are all factors that come as you age. So, um, and it doesn't mean because you're healthy when you're younger, these dollars can benefit you. But if you never use it, you're exactly right. It works very similar to IRA rules. Yeah. yeah. I guess sort of the last thing you can do if you, again, this is for your 2022 tax return. If you haven't filed it yet, if you have any, you know, get, you know gifts to charity, a, a church, uh, anything like that, any medical expenses that you forgot, you know, tally them up. Um, it is possible that you're that that it will be enough to actually move the needle. Um, it, this is this is this is that proverbial looking under couch cushions, though. I, I, the other stuff we just mentioned that, that that really does move the needle. 
But if you're still kind of looking for those, you know, just that last little bit, just tally up your health expenses, tally up, you know, any charitable donations you made. And um, yeah, every, every little bit helps, right? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's really hard with the uh, deduction, the standard deduction being so high, but uh, if you're looking to itemize and you do itemize, then absolutely you're, you hit the nail on the head, dig up those charitable giving, um, get those medical receipts and, and give them to your tax preparer. So about, about charitable donations, this actually brings us to the, the second segment here. Um, this, where you're really going to get the most value is planning for your taxes for 2023 and beyond. If, if you're still trying to get 2022 done, it's like your options are fairly limited. But if, if you're looking at, you know, what you're going to be doing this time next year and beyond, it's really a blank slate. You can do, there's a lot you can do. And there is something you told me about actually a few years ago that I think is one of the most underrated tax breaks there is, particularly in this era we're in now where the standard deduction is so high. And that is the, uh, the qualified charitable distribution. What is that? Like, like, tell us what that is. So basically it's an above the line way to take advantage of a tax deduction. Um, so you hold your IRA uh, with some custodian uh, I use TD Ameritrade Institution, so we'll just use them as an example. So when my client wants to take a distribution, and where it really helps is if you have to take required minimum distributions, you only have to be 70 and a half, where now the required minimum distribution age is 73. So you can actually start it a little younger because that age is still 70 and a half. But age 73, you have to take required minimum distributions. And if you don't need it, what can you do to benefit society from your money and help get a tax break on the money you really didn't want to have to pull out in the first place? Well, a lot of people are giving to churches, to nonprofits, um, any IRS recognized nonprofit. If you let the custodian know that you would like the money, again, you can do up to 100000 I don't have many people doing that number every year, but um, even if you donate to your church, $5,000, $10,000 a year. Maybe you want to donate to another organization. You just fill out the appropriate par paperwork with your custodian. Ha and the key is you cannot accept the check. The check has to be payable to that nonprofit. Uh, and the yeah, check will so go So to be clear, to it's not like you would normally do a distribution where it goes from your IRA to your bank account, and then you write a check to the charity. You're not doing that. Instead, it goes directly from your IRA to the charity or, or to the organization. Like the check that's, is made payable to them, not you. That is correct. And that's key because otherwise it would be a distribution to you. And then you're in turn writing the check to the charitable organization. And that's the same as you just giving normally. So that is a key that you have to have it sent directly to the charitable organization payable to them and then they handle the check. Not all organizations, not all custodians are really good about letting you know that there is a qualified charitable distribution in your name. So you really should follow up with the charitable organizations, ask if they got the check, um, see if they can send you a confirmation on their letterhead because the IRS always wants proof that you made that charitable contribution and you don't always have that. You're also gonna get a 1099R 
So you want to make sure when you're doing your taxes, you're aware that you did the qualified charitable distribution um, and make sure that it's being noted properly and through your tax return. Yeah, because the whole reason this makes sense is when you take an IRA distribution, that increases your income, which can put you in a higher tax bracket. It can, it can do a lot of things. And then you're trying to reduce your income by uh, making a charitable contribution, and then that goes as a um, an itemized deduction or whatnot. What we do, what you're doing with 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 the the charitable distribution that, that you described is you're you're bypassing all of that, and it's never hitting your income. Like it's because it never hits your income. You never, it doesn't bump you into a higher bracket or, or anything. But as you said, uh, one key thing is you absolutely must keep really good records because the custodians, they, they, they do screw this up from time to time. I, I've seen it happen. And so you do need to make sure that when you get your tax form at the, um, at the beginning of the next year, that it's it's noted correctly and, and all of that. You have good background because you can have the perfect tax plan. And if it's just executed badly by other people, then uh, you still have a problem. That's correct. And I can tell you most of the time, the 1099 says they're not sure if it's taxable or not. So it is up to you to keep record that it wasn't taxed, that you did the qualified charitable distribution and that your tax preparer does the right documentation as well when doing your taxes. So- you, you gotta love great. that. The uh, the bank if, if it, it basically says I'm I'm not messing with it. This is your problem. That's exactly correct. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it is. Um, I work with everyday people. This is a great way. What they're giving, they're giving. Um, just getting that check sent directly, and they get it done in one swoop. So if they donate, usually to uh, an organization, they can send one check for the year, and they're done. They don't have to keep sending. Oh, I'll do ten dollars here, ten dollars there or $50, $100, whatever, um, they can send a check directly from their IRA directly to that charitable and be done with it for that tax year. And it's a win-win. And I would add one more thing. You know, you're, nobody wants to be so cynical that, ah, oh, yeah, well, I'm just giving money to save money on taxes. That's not how you should think of this. Think of it like this. Every dollar you save on taxes is a dollar that you can give to charity. So you're actually increasing the amount you can give to charity by lowering your tax bill. So just keep that in mind. Moving on. So Roth conversions are something that gets talked about a lot. This is something you read about in the financial press a lot. You, people talk about it. Um, but there's a lot of nuance here. The Roth, Roth conversion. Well, first off, why don't you tell us what a Roth conversion is and then when someone might want to consider it? Sure. So a Roth conversion, again, I'll preface, it is not for everybody. So you have to make sure that this makes sense for your personal situation. But what happens is you've put all this money throughout the years into traditional IRAs and they're building and growing. And that tax deferred growth, ultimately when you take it out is hundred percent taxable. So what happens with a Roth conversion is you decide each tax year if there's a certain amount you would like to move from your traditional IRA and put it into a Roth IRA. Now, this is different than regular Roth contributions. Roth contributions have income limits, and you can only put so much into a Roth contribution. Roth conversions do not have income limits, and they don't have amount. It's just how much are you willing to pay taxes on? And, and what I'll say is we are in some wonderful, we're in a wonderful tax season right now. So tax brackets are low. It's a great time to take advantage of doing Roth conversions because any dollar you move from your traditional IRA to the Roth IRA, 
will be 100% taxable the tax year you move the money from the IRA to the Roth. So a Roth conversion is simply just moving money that you already have in a traditional IRA or retirement plan and getting it put into a Roth IRA. So it, some, some points I would make on that and, and, and tell me if I'm going off the rails or anything, but so when would you really, you know, want to consider, well, I guess, first off, let me back up. The, the beauty of the Roth conversion is that it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. If you have a million dollar IRA, a half a million dollar IRA or a $10,000 IRA, you, you would never have to convert the whole thing at once. You could always just kind of piecemeal it based on how much tax you wanted to pay. So if you had, you know, if, if you were comfortable raising your taxable income by $10,000, you could just convert $10,000. That's, that's basically how it works, right? Yep. So what I tell people is there's so many different strategies out there. Again, it depends what you're looking to do. But while you're working, a lot of times you are in a higher bracket. Now, when you retire, the myth, it's not a myth for everybody, is that you're always going to be in a lower bracket. That can be true and possibly is true, but it really depends on your expenses and the future tax code, which none of us know. You don't know that. I don't know that. So what we have to do is because we know historically we're in these lower tax tax seasons, one strategy help we help with our clients is filling up brackets. And so obviously the tax code has these different brackets and a big one is 12% and then you move to the 22. So that's a big jump between 12 and 22. So we want to be careful there filling up that bracket. But the next bracket, if you fall in the 22% bracket is the 24% bracket. That's not as much of a big jump. And so you have to look back at the history of taxes and think, well, will I be in the 24% bracket when I retire? There's a very good possibility you could be with minimal income. So we want to be careful. So we kind of think in the future, but want to take advantage of the current tax code and how to strategize to not make you overpay even in today's dollars with that. Yeah, there's also inflation creep. You, you can get Tripped into a higher bracket just because of inflation. So <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and a lot of people don't realize like there's factors you can't control. Capital gains, if you're invested in mutual funds, they can throw off that phantom income, which affects your taxes. So every tax year, you really don't know necessarily. So you do have to be careful. Um, again, it's not for everybody. And you want to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room if you're looking at doing Roth conversions. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I would also just add, you know, if you think your income may be depressed one year, it might make sense to kind of speed up Roth conversion, do a little bit more that year if your income is lower for some reason. If your income is really high some year because, I don't know, you got a bonus or something at work or whatever, if for some reason you find yourself in a higher bracket one year, you could always slow down your Roth conversion. It's not like you have to have this rigid plan and stick to it. And you know, you, you, there's a lot of flexibility. There is. And one thing I'll also caution people is it's it's better to start the idea when, you, when you're younger. Like if you're 50 and above, um, once you reach 60, once you go on Medicare, I should say, you have to be a lot more careful of, of just your income. And, and a lot of people aren't aware that your Medicare premium is really based on your income, your modified adjusted gross income. And when you're doing these Roth conversions, that 
increases your modified adjusted gross income and therefore your Medicare premiums for part B could increase as well without you really realizing it. And you won't realize it because Medicare is on a two-year lag for income. So 2023 is looking at your 2021 income. And, and so you really have to pay attention to what your modified adjusted gross income is so that you don't hit a Medicare IRMA. Makes sense. So let's talk about one more thing. I don't want to overload our readers with too much, uh, too many numbers, too much tax stuff, because um, it is the sort of thing that'll make you go crazy. But so you had mentioned that it's it's possible to use life insurance as sort of part of your tax planning. So what kind of life insurance? And then and I guess what kind of planning? Like, how does that look? So there's a few different ways you can go about the planning, but the type of life insurance you're going to need is cash value life insurance. So that's usually a whole life policy or a universal life policy. You cannot utilize uh, term insurance is uh, it can be used as a death benefit, but you can't use it while you're living and borrow against it. And so mm -hmm. one of the strategies that you can look at to help get a loan if you need to, or maybe help supplement retirement income is if you have a well-built well life insurance policy that has some cash value inside of it, there are strategies you can do to borrow against it and make it really tax efficient. But you do have to be careful because uh, you don't want the policy to lapse and you do have to qualify for life insurance. So there are negatives to it if it's not done properly. So that's one way of using life insurance is to use it to help supplement income or to borrow and repay at a later time. Um, the other way that we look at life insurance, not only when, when someone passes, it's really to help give liquidity to a loved one. Um, it's also good for taxes and estate planning. So one of the things we look at with these traditional IRAs, you know, talking about the efficiency of the Roth, if you can't do the Roth, if it's creating too much of a taxation or you don't qualify and the, the, the many reasons, um, one thing you can do for your loved ones is insure your traditional IRA. So you still, you take life insurance out on yourself, but you're basically insuring the tax liability that your loved ones will have because the SECURE Act changed the way that we can take distributions as a beneficiary, most every day, does, most people, which are designated beneficiaries, will have to have that IRA cashed out within a 10-year timeline, and they'll also have to take required minimum distributions each year. And that so, can really raise their their, their taxes. I, I, like you think you're you're doing your heirs a favor by giving them an IRA, letting them inherit your IRA, which you are doing them a favor. That's great. But- when they have to take those distributions, they can bump them into a higher bracket, kind of create a mess for them. So what you're saying is the life insurance can basically be used to, to, to pay the taxes on the RMDs. Yeah, yeah. It can buy out the IRS out of your IRA. And that's what you're really looking to do is you want to, because um, you're exactly right. You spent all these years, the reason you did the traditional IRAs was to save on taxes, to reduce your tax bill. Now, when you pass away, you know, you may say, well, that's not my problem. That's their problem. But you spend all these years trying to keep Uncle Sam out of your money. Yeah. And now you just opened it up because now your kids are probably in their higher earning years. And now they have to take at least uh, a required minimum distribution out of that, which will add to their taxes. 
So insuring it is a great way to help use tax efficient dollars through life insurance to pay that tax liability when when the day comes that you're no longer here anymore. And make sure you're not accidentally screwing over your kids who you're trying to help. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I would argue you you know you you would the the best gift you could give your kids is really life insurance because it really is one of the most tax efficient dollars that the IRS code 7702 is one of the best codes out there for beneficiaries. Well, very good. Rachel, you have given us a lot to think about as we approach the tax deadline here, uh, not just for this year, but of course, for planning um, for you know the rest of our lives. Um, where can uh, where can viewers find out more about you? Where, where can they find you? Well, I am located here in Happy Valley, State College, Pennsylvania, but you can go to our website at McCannwellStrategies.com, find out more about us. Um, we do work with people all over. So we're happy to um, get to know anybody's situation and hopefully be able to help them out. Well, good deal. Rachel, thanks for being on today. And I look forward to having you on again sometime. Thanks, Charles. <laughs>